DJ and PK brought to you in part by Syringa Networks. Working from home or with a hybrid workforce? Get a powerful IT partner with Syringa Networks. Call them at 385-420-7881 or visit syringanetworks.net. Time to welcome in Chris Camerani, staff writer for The Athletic, covering Utah football and much more around the state. Chris, good morning. Happy Monday, guys. Happy, happy, happy. Hey, i got to pull the curtain back here a little bit. Are you ready? I'm one, ready. One thing for the audience, one thing for you. Okay. I've done it after possibly borrowing somebody's password for a while. I've just gone ahead and paid for the athletics. So thanks for you and some of your compatriots for writing enough stuff that now, along with a bunch of streaming services and cable companies and websites, it's more expensive than ever to be a sports fan. Thanks for that, Chris. Good work by you. Well, I want to know who's more of a cord cutter, you or your kids? Oh, my kids. Not even close. Okay. <laughs> Not even close. Uh, and then second, I think, for our audience, uh, I, I texted you this once, and I don't yep. even remember what avail it's on because with everything on Zoom, and I know that Utah football is your primary primary responsibility, but there are lots of other things that you've written about, and I've seen you pop up on these calls that you're lurking. And I decided that the analogy for you, PK's taught me that if, if you don't have similes and metaphors, you got no yeah. chance to make it in sports media. you got to have your similes and your metaphors. And for you, you're like an old-time prospector. You never know when you walk up some stream in whatever canyon to find the gold or silver in days, days gone by where Chris Camrani will have pitched a tent and be working it. You're everywhere, Chris. Love the work ethic. I think I speak for PK on that, too, although we can let him speak for himself. <laughs> well, as long as you guys hold me in the regard of being a lonely hermit who might be potentially striking gold every once in a while, I will take that and I'll run with it. I tried to avoid lonely hermit, but you got the gist. <laughs> I appreciate that, guys. I'm wondering if Lonely Hermit is an oxymoron. Uh, <laughs> Lonely Hermit sounds like a great band name. Yeah. <laughs> the Lonely Hermits are playing tonight. All right. I do know that Chris interviewed an expert on BYU football last week and gave him everything that he needed to know about the Cougars. He did. And, and uh, so he'll publish that. When's that being published for BYU fans? It uh, should be later on this week, Friday or Saturday. Did you talk to Friday Steve or Young or Pat Kinahan? Uh, talk to Jake Hatch, actually. We did have a conversation about BYU, so he's doing some BYU stuff, so I throw that out there for the Cougar fans, The Athletic, a great website. hope it continues to succeed. It means jobs, and jobs are important. And my friends have jobs, and I like to see them employed. Even my enemies I want to see employed. never want to see anybody unemployed, that's for sure. It's too serious. So I want to know, I want to know who your enemies are. Okay. Oh, we, it's only a four-hour show, dude. Come on. Oh, well, everybody at Channel 2. <laughs> okay. Uh. <laughs> Poor Adam. <laughs> hate him. <laughs> best, best two falls out of three. They, they grapple. They wrestle all the time. All right, let's get right to it. The spring game here for, uh, for Utah. Uh, were there any surprises in it? I think that's Kind of hard for it to happen, but maybe Devon Vele, uh, are we reading too much into it because we're wishing something to happen? We want it to happen. What do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with the latter. I, I think, um, and I told this to PK last week when we spoke, I think the excitement and the um, 
oversimplification of something as mundane as a spring game is not a bad thing. I think that means that our community is healing. It means that we've done a, a pretty good job in the last few months of, of handling the virus. And we are, if you look at things from a national perspective, probably as high up as you can get in terms of vaccinations rolling out and people taking them. So I think when I look at the spring game, I don't necessarily look at Charlie Brewer's 15 for 15 against Utah's two and a half string defense. I think of the fact that the community is going in the right direction and it's a win for the the folks who are Utah fans and it's a win for the people of this state. Um, I think I would be lying to you and all of your listeners if I pretended to know um, what is being taken out of the spring game outside of, yeah, sure. Devon Bailey had some great catches and Solomon Enos looked to have some good rapport with Charlie Brewer, but outside of that guys, I mean, I think we have to put this thing into context into what it is. It's, it's a fun scrimmage that allows uh, the program to, um, you know, hit that next milestone in terms of getting ready for a normal college football season. And that's basically all it is to me. And that, that might be, I don't know, harsh in some circles, but the reality is, is I think it's just a win for um, what we're hoping to have transpire this fall, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I'm wondering, and obviously what we're hoping from the Utah perspective and their fans is to be in contention again deep into November on a regular uh, format of a season that begins in September and the conference season closes at Thanksgiving weekend and all that stuff, and then you have the the title game. So I'm wondering if last – can't really call it a season, but last five games combined with – the uh, spring practice where they got in all 15. That's the great storyline is they actually got in all 15. I don't really care what happened there, but the fact that all these teams and speaking, you know, to stay in the pac 12, as far as I know, they got in all their 15 allotted practices and then they'll go and do the training and the formal training, as Kyle says, starts June 1st. And then they've got the training camp and they're going to get 20 some practices and three non-conference games do all that stuff. Now we've already got that partial in the book. It's already happened. And assuming we get the rest of it, does all that stuff put this team, which lost so many guys, to the draft a year ago, put them in contention, do you believe, to contend for the South next season? Uh, I think it's always going to uh, rest on the development and the potential of the quarterback position. I know it's a broken record, and it has been for a decade, but when you look at the makeup of these Utah teams since they entered the Pac-12, the one uh, position that has basically held this team back has been the lack of elite quarterback play. And I think you can argue that Utah has only had one quarterback since entering the Pac-12 in 2011 in Tyler Huntley, who played at an elite level that was able to go out and single-handedly keep them in games and win them games. If you're going to get to, I guess not, we're not going to Santa Clara anymore. We're going to Vegas. If you're going to go to Vegas for the Pac-12 championship game, and if you're going to win and potentially go to a Rose Bowl, you have to have elite quarterback play. And that is uh, the, the tale of the truth for a very long time. I think it's very rare. Um, I mean, look at Alabama, guys. I mean, Nick Saban eventually said, yeah, 
I can't run a running back 35 times and hope to win a game 13 to 10 anymore. I have to go nuts and turn it loose. Sooner or later, Utah's offense is going to have to shoulder the load because as we saw last year, the defense more often than not is always going to be able to hold up its end of the bargain. And um, that defense lost a lot of guys in 2019 to the draft and they look like they're, they're ready to reload and, and be able to shoulder the load again. But for me, it's always going to come back to quarterback play. Can Charlie Brewer, can Cam Rising get these guys to, to Las Vegas? And if so, can they take them even further? The soon-to-be ex-commissioner takes a lot of heat for a lot of things, and I think he deserves most of it. But got to give him credit for moving from Santa Clara to Las Vegas. Had to wait for the stadium to get done. It feels like this is going to be a win for the conference. As far as your point about the quarterback play, uh, the only thing I would add is don't let the wide receivers off the hook totally. Uh, It's not a 50-50 split probably, um, but I do feel like they're part of the issue. But... Do you feel like that is getting solved now? I mean, we haven't seen someone with Charlie Brewer's credentials, stats, and experience at the helm with the possible exception of Tyler Huntley, and they won 11 games when they had that. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, I don't know. We It's uh, remained to be seen TBD on the, on the receivers. It's an incredibly top-heavy group. When you lose guys like uh, Brian Thompson, to PK's Devils, you lose Samson Nakua to an arch rival, albeit that's you know more of a you know due to family matters. But this this is another part of the Utah program that I think has held them back from reaching. I mean, we've we've seen them get to the championship game, we've seen them win divisional titles, but getting over the hump is is another thing. And I think you can argue, I I don't know, I don't want to use that Washington game in 2018 because it was so silly. It was one of the weirdest games I've ever seen. I want to throw that out, but that Oregon game in 2019, you could just tell that the difference makers on the outside on both sides of the ball were on a different level for Oregon. And Utah has to figure out how to put together skill position players, elite skill position players on both sides of the ball in the same year to allow them to reach that pinnacle. So since we don't build up or make definitive conclusions, and I got that right from a staff member a few years back at Utah as far as what you see in the spring train or spring game, but nevertheless I'm wondering, can they show video of Charlie Boer throwing the ball, completing all 15 passes to prospective transfer portal receivers because Kyle has mm. spoken about wanting to get that. So can they use that as a recruiting tool to draw in somebody who can be at least very good, if not a difference maker, out on the field at the receiver slots in the fall? I would say uh, pull up a YouTube compilation of Charlie Brewer amassing over 10,000 yards of total offense at Baylor instead of uh, – two fake quarters of a scrimmage game. I understand that, uh, you know, it it might be sexy to say, like, look what Charlie can do in our offense. But Charlie Brewer amassed 10,000 yards of total offense in Baylor as a four-year starter, guys. That Not many quarterbacks are able to do that. So if Utah was to go that route, I would say this is what this guy can do, and maybe here are some uh, supplemental clips of what he did in the spring game. But there isn't a lack of evidence of Charlie Brewer's skill set in the right offense because the the stats speak for themselves. You know, I think that all of that stuff gets compiled and all of that stuff gets linked to social media and 
all the transfers see it if they're doing their homework. I can't guarantee that all the transfers do their homework, but uh, any con- any contact you have with them, even if it's third-party contact, it seems like these days all that stuff is out there, and if transfers don't know that stuff, that is on them. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Again, this is the kind of the final frontier. I think I think you can argue that the the building of depth and skill at the wide receiver position at Utah is probably more of a final frontier than the quarterback spot. And I know it doesn't always need to be Oregon deep or SC deep. I understand that. But sooner or later, you're going to need a couple of alphas. And I feel like I've said this on the show with you guys ad nauseum in the last few years, but it's the truth. You're going to need guys outside of Britton Covey who can go out and demand the ball. And by demanding the ball, I mean getting open. I mean showing that you're a liable go-to receiver against elite defensive backs. This is going to be something that Utah has to do with new wide receivers coach Chad Bumpfus to help get them to that next level. Running back position, I'm wondering if it's going to be like last season in that they went in, and last season was so screwy, so I even hesitate to draw any comparisons, but they went into the season thinking there was somewhat of a depth chart, and then it just flipped and on just a handful of carries by the late great Ty Jordan in the USC game. How much do you think they'll use the early part of the season, which hopefully is the non-conference games, to sort out the depth chart at running back? Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I mean, the the staff was always high on Makai Bernard. I mean, going even back to 2019, guys, where you can argue that was the most talented Pac-12 era Utah team has ever been, coaches and players were talking about Makai Bernard as a true freshman 17-year-old kid, as a, as a guy to watch out for in the future. So it's not that surprising that he's been able to develop and currently establish himself as kind of the pseudo number one in that running backs room. But um, I mean, I think for me, selfishly, the one of the best people to hear from on subjects like this is Kyle McDonald, because he doesn't make any bones about it. He said the best player is always going to play. We don't care what your accolades were before you came here in high school or your previous school, the best player will play. And we've seen that, you know, um, with, with Ty's emergence last year. And I know they add, you know, TJ Pledger and Chris Curry, but, I don't know. There, there are just some things when you've been around a program long enough, like, like we have, it's like, it just seems kind of fitting that Utah would go to the portal to get a couple former four-star guys from these really prestigious fellow power five schools only to have the three-star kid who's been in your program for the last two years, just develop and become the next star player. So I guess the elephant in the room then is Kyle Whittingham. And really it's, it's Kyle's mindset. And PK and I have gone around and around on this. And, you know, until we see the games, I think we'll just continue to go around and around because everything seems possible. But I guess my question to you is, what is most likely with Kyle's mindset? Because I personally don't think Kyle, although he always valued turnovers and takeaways and hated the giveaways, uh, I felt like it really got burned into his psyche when he had back-to-back five and seven seasons it was clear that he had one season to keep his job. It was clear his assistants weren't getting contract extensions in case he had to be let go and the whole staff had to be let go. And that, that's a pretty scarring ex- experience. And since then, man, protect the ball. You know, he was losing game. He had a 5-7 and seven season because they turned it over six times. They should have beaten UCLA. They turned it over six times, then they lost. 
But when he had Brian Johnson, and Brian Johnson, and I know it was Mountain West, it was a different level, but he wasn't worried about Brian turning the ball over. They could push it down the field, and they could make big plays, and he could stomach that. It doesn't seem like he can really stomach it since then. Do you think Charlie Brewer will... Uh, will be the Tums that quiets his system <laughs> and enables them to push the ball down the field because he's going to look at those stats that you were talking about, the body of work from two years ago. He threw seven picks. Well, in a what's going to turn out to be 12, but maybe a 13 or 14-game season, 15, PK will say, uh, seven picks, that's a pick every other game. Kyle can live with that. Can't he? Will we get to that point? Will it look different? Help me. I like I like the analogy of the antacids for for Kyle Whittingham. That's 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 pretty befitting. Um, it's it's all about style, guys, and it is about protecting the ball, and it is about establishing who you want to be as a program. And I think Kyle wants to be able to control everything in terms of the clock, um, uh, position field battles, all this stuff, and that makes sense because if you do that the odds are always going to be in your favor, but there's going to come a time when you have to be willing to go out on a limb and take the sort of risks that are necessary to, you know, win really tight games. And, and I think Kyle has proven that. I mean, I don't know how many other coaches in college football go for it on fourth and three or less than Kyle Whittingham does, regardless of the uh, position on the field that the Utes are in every season. But um yeah, I mean, again, this is all interconnected to what this Utah program needs to develop and become. I, I do think, guys, I do think going back to 2019, it would have behooved that team to be in tighter games because they were so dominant early on that they were just able to give Zach the ball 25 times and be comfortable by the end of the third quarter, it would have been good to have that team kind of have to turn it loose and have Tyler go out and win some games on his own early on in that season. And I think sooner or later, Kyle and his staff knows that if you're going to be in contention in the Pac-12 South, if you're going to win the Pac-12, you got to get a quarterback that's going to take risks and take chances. And yeah, I understand the uh, the fear of, of turnovers and losing games that way. I mean, there was, like you mentioned, DJ, there was a time where Utah should have won a bunch of games where there was, I think there was that Oregon State game one time at Rice-Eccles where Travis Wilson had like five or six picks or something. There, there are games that Utah fans have burned into their memory that, that should have been wins. But I think we're past that. I just think like the next evolution of this Utah program has to be to your point, kind of just giving the right quarterback the keys to the car and letting him put the foot on the pedal. There he is, Chris Camerani, the Lonely Hermit, which is brought to you by the Department of Redundancy Department. But nonetheless, the Lonely Hermit. All right, we're looking forward to a BYU piece sent on The Athletic. You want to give us just a hint about what's going on? Just a little just a little taste, <laughs> something tantalizing. What oh, no, it, what it, so... So the the Athletic has a breakdown of all of the major college football programs across the country every year called, it's a series called State of the Program. Mm -hmm. And basically you're asked to dive into the nitty gritty of the last few years and kind of the current roster projections of of each program going into the 2021 season and go, you know, position by position and recruiting and schedule analysis, all of that stuff. 
all the type of things that fans love to read and, and the kind of thing that I definitely need to rely on the experts to help write. So it's not that hard to put two and two together as to why I called somebody last week. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, one day, now that The Athletic has subscription money from people like me, one day they'll probably hire a BYU person and someone to share the load with you on that, that front in the state. They, they got a, they got the jazz covered and they got the Utes covered. It seems like that's next. In the meantime, you, yeah. can, you can do a little more, I guess. Yeah, well, I'm a lonely hermit, so I, the, the, <laughs> the less competition, the less uh, people in my periphery, the better. You guys know that. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Chris Camerani, The Athletic. You can check him out. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. we got Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, coming up at 9 o'clock. Jazz Update, next.